You're listening to the RFWP Podcast with your host, Lois McNair and Emily Lewis, where you'll find candid conversations, transparent faith, encouragement, the occasional sarcasm, and a whole lot of grace as they share their walk with Jesus. Here's today's episode. friends. Welcome to this week's episode of the RFWP. Hi, Lois. Hi, Emily. <laughs> I'm so tickled because I'm sitting here and, and just watched you literally put a pink highlighter <laughs> in your hair to hold it up while I we did. recorded. I put a, like, a knot in my hair for a bun and stuck it through. Yeah, and it's then just, you I found your like, rubber band. Yeah, then I found my rubber band. <laughs> I'm like, nope, pink highlighter looks better. It's working. I just feel like, you know, I needed to get my hair up because we were just talking about some stuff that I guess got me fired up. Uh, yeah, hot around but, the collar, so to speak. Yeah. But first, I'd love to share this week's quote. Oh, you have a quote of the week this week? I do. Yay. When we get to heaven and ask Moses what it was like to part the Red Sea or ask David what it was like to slay Goliath, they will turn to us and ask, what was it like to have the Holy Spirit himself living inside of you? Isn't that cool? That's cool and also convicting at the same time. What a privilege we have. That's incredible. Yeah. We're talking about like two major events in their lives. I mean, obviously God was with them and the the presence of the spirit was around them. But, but yeah, that really makes you think like I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me on a daily basis. And how often do I tap into that? You know, just really let him help Mm. me walk out my day. Mm-hmm. instead David. of walking around looking for the that David and Goliath moment or the parting of the Red Sea moment mm-hmm. when it should just be that daily wow that's good I think you need to read it one more time all right when we get to heaven and ask Moses what it was like to part the Red Sea or ask David what it was like to slay Goliath they will turn to us and ask what was it like to have the Holy Spirit himself living inside of you? Wow. I love that. Mm-hmm. So fun. That's, good. That's a good quote for the week. You know, I'd like to hear, I'd like to hear some other people's ideas, you know, what they're like, their favorite social media quote of the week was maybe we should do something like that in the future. That would be so fun. Have people just, you know, email us or tag us or something. That'd anyway. be a good segment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so what made you happy this week and what made you mad this week? <laughs> I just want to jump right in and ask you, like, what made uh, you happy and what made you mad this week? That quote makes me happy. The quote you just read. Mm-hmm, that quote makes me happy. Yeah. That's- uh, and Tony Hudson's arrogance <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, the abuse he spews from the pulpit. That makes me mad. Yes. I mean, I don't mean to be laughing, but just the name when it came out, I was just like, oh boy, it's on like Donkey Kong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like I would, I would like to talk to Tony Hudson. You know what? Me too. Maybe we should. um, (laughs) I don't think I want to have him on the podcast. Oh no. We may have to do a lot of editing mm-hmm. if we were to have him on the podcast. I um, have to do a lot of biting my tongue. Yeah. Yeah. But some things you don't need to bite your tongue on because you're right. Yeah. Um, some things that were tweeted this week and um, I'm just, yeah, I'm with you. Well, seriously, we could do a whole episode on untwisting the narrative. There have been people that have been majorly hurt. And I don't mean hurt like, oh, they're hurt. There have been people that have been hurt 
um, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically by people who bought into Tony Hudson's narrative. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, yeah. So what I think made- that needs, a, I think that needs its whole, ep- its, its own episode. So maybe we should move along. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I love to hear about what made you happy and what made you mad this week. Uh, um, let's see what made me happy this week. One of the things that made me happy this week, I can't announce yet. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but, um, there you go. Dropping a secret on us. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, it's how it is. Um, there's a, there's, I will tell you this, there's somebody that I follow on Twitter and i um, they're a part of the WCT family. And if you don't know who the WCT family is, it's um, just kind of this organic group of people that started during COVID uh, called weird Christian Twitter. And you have people from all different walks of life, all different, um, stages in their Christian walk. Some have really been hurt and just are, are disillusioned or, or just have dealt with a lot of deconstructing their faith. Uh, But, but they're, but they're still hanging on to Jesus. And I love that. And even though they may not agree with each other on everything, they're, they love Jesus and they love each other and they love people. And they've been like super encouraging Um, in a lot of ways. And I'm kind of like the fly on the wall, weird Christian Twitter person. So I don't always get involved in all the conversations, but um, there's somebody that I follow. His name is Kirk McCall. And two things that he does during the week that just make me super happy. One time during the week on Mondays, and we're recording on Monday. So um, he calls it micro joy Monday. And he's a school teacher. And basically what he does is he just asks for the small things that made you happy. And I love that. And, and mm-hmm. one of the things he said today was that um, he enjoyed finishing reading a book on his bus ride home from work. And then people were teasing him. You weren't driving the bus with school kids in it, but no, he was, he was riding <laughs> the bus home. But just, he calls them micro joy Mondays. And I think sometimes we forget to just take joy in the little things you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, Kirk McCall, he's always encouraging. And then one day a week, he posts a picture of a handwritten notebook journal um, with the date on it. And he's like, what can I be praying for you about? And he's legit, like people send him prayer requests and he's writing them in that notebook and praying for people during the week. So that, that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Both um, very good. Yeah. And one of the things that makes me mad <laughs> um, is something that IFB Sermon Clips posted this week. And they posted um, a video of a Sunday morning message, you know, the whole Andrew Cuomo debacle that's going on right now. And mm-hmm. several women have come out about sexual harassment. And the other thing, I think the thing that um, really um, got me hot under the collar this week and what made me mad was a clip that I saw from IFB Sermon Clips. And they posted a clip of of a pastor named James Knox who had heard about the Andrew Cuomo allegations or well um, on radio show on his way to church that morning. And... I think uh, he obviously didn't give the whole the whole narrative of what took place. She had just said, you know, um, he told me that I was attractive. And as we know, of all the stuff that's been coming out, it was not just that she was offended that he said she was attractive. So he goes on to say in the pulpit, what I want I want to see a picture of what she was wearing when he told her that. Mm. And this is from the pulpit. 
Mm-mm. This is a pastor from the pulpit. Immediately, we're flipping the narrative and we're victim blaming. And then he goes on to say uh, something along the lines of when you wear your blouse down to here and you've got a skirt up to here and a slit up to here and um, and your your clothing is so tight that it's with um, that you can guess your we could guess your weight within two pounds. I mean, you wanted him to notice you. Mm-hmm. That's basically what he said. Right. Mm-hmm. That did not fly well with me. So I just, I responded and I'm like, I quoted what he said. I went to see a picture of what she was wearing when he told her that. Referring to the one, one of the victim's partial statement about Andrew Cuomo. And then I went on to say, this type of twisted narrative has to stop across the board, especially in the church verbiage like it's her fault or what was she wearing she was asking for it boys will be boys it's just how it is if she didn't want him looking then she wouldn't have and we've got to stop blaming a woman for a man's behavior that comes from his own heart issues this Mm -hmm. is on him we have to do better yeah we have to do better We cannot continue to immediately throw a female under the bus because of what she was wearing. When we talk about what women wear in that conversation, I don't even Mm -hmm. think it belongs there. Right. It doesn't belong there. You dress your body. We were just talking about the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. You Mm -hmm. dress your body like a temple that it is. You are the Mm -hmm. temple. You are created in God's image, we can honor our bodies, but the way we dress does not, shouldn't, our primary motivation in the way we dress should not be, is a man going to look at me? Right. Or Or am I going to be taken advantage of, or what messages am I sending? Right. Absolutely not. That is not what the Bible says when it says to be What's the verse that's always used? Be mindful of not to make your brother stumble. Out of context. Yeah. But the thing that frustrated me the most about this and made me call it out was the fact that he said, I want to know what she was wearing when he told her she was attractive. Mm -hmm. First of all, that's so inappropriate. Like I said, and second of all, it immediately shifts the blame that it's on her because of what she was wearing, that he said what he said. Well, guess what now, pastor, there are nine women and they're not just calling each other up and tag teaming and say, Hey, let's take this guy down. Mm -mm. These things have happened. And let me tell you something. I've been in church dressed appropriately, quote unquote, appropriately for church. Okay. And I say, quote unquote, because I don't want anybody putting me in a box. And I've had somebody whisper behind me in my ear about how I looked in what I was wearing. And this person was not my husband and it Mm. was completely inappropriate. So please stop pastors, listen to the, the people of your church. Listen to, listen to the women of your church. Listen to how Jesus treated women. I mean, we we have got to do better. And you need to stop making statements from the pulpit that she wore a dress so tight that you could guess her weight within two pounds. Not funny. Body shaming, victim shaming. And I don't know that any of those women are believers or not believers. I don't know that. But I do know that when a pastor gets up on a Sunday morning as a believer, that is not that should not be his narrative. Mm-mm. Yeah. So you can tell this one just really got me <laughs> pretty hot about, uh, about that because, and somebody even, somebody even, um, I just found out somebody even quoted or, or tweeted me back, which I didn't even pay attention to it. Then I just saw it. It happened like three days ago that, that if I've had zero conversations with this pastor, then I don't, really know his heart and maybe he's just um somebody that i slightly 
disagree with <laughs> um, and that I shouldn't be calling him out. First of all, if you're going to put your stuff out on the internet where somebody finds it and all that, and, and you're going to make those kind of statements, I don't have to know that pastor personally to know that that was inappropriate from the pulpit and that it's still a false narrative. Mm-hmm. And I understand there's Matthew 18. We're just kind of in a different world um, when it comes to calling things out. I know. I, Yeah, you can tell this one. Mm-hmm. You know what? You know what I say to that? Here's the thing. When people say that, and I know that there are women who listen to our podcast that, and I've seen tweets before and it was like, when they're talking about abuse that happened or inappropriate things that have happened, sexual harassment that have happened. I've, I've seen girls post, I had on a long sleeve shirt, a jean skirt past my knees and was still verbally, emotionally, sexually abused. Okay. So it comes back to a heart issue. Mm -hmm. It comes back to a heart issue, just like the Atlanta shooter who took the lives of all those women. He blamed them for his temptation of sin. I think what bothers me, well, I don't want to gloss over the, that sh- horrendous shooting. Horrible, horrible, horrible. But when, why can't we move past defending abusers like Cuomo in this specific case, why can't we just let him hold the responsibility for his wrongdoing? I'm so sick of it being that the conversation always turns towards it's the woman's fault. Yeah. And that's exactly what this pastor was doing from the pulpit on a Sunday morning. Mm -mm. So imagine that you've got some young women in that, in that congregation Sunday morning, a week ago, you're listening to this pastor that you trust. And he makes a statement. I want to know what she was wearing and blah, 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 blah. What if there are some girls in that congregation or some women who are happily married or whatever, but in their past, they have been sexually harassed or even abused because of it or were treated poorly and they're hearing this from the pulpit do you think that they're ever going to open up to anybody about what took place to get full spiritual healing no they're not because they're thinking he's probably going to ask what was i wearing that caused this young man to do what he did or she's just going to assume it was my fault. And right. there's enough shame and guilt associated with assault. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be putting anything else on someone that's been abused. Right. They already, they already embody that. They carry that right. around. Right. You don't have to teach that. You have to unteach that. So for yeah. a pastor or anyone in authority to reinforce that mm-hmm. is gross. Yeah. So um, am I going to keep calling out when I hear these kinds of things? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because for too long, things were silent. For too long, people didn't speak out. For too long, um, you know, I mean, (laughs) you know, we could name several right now. For too long, people did not speak out and, and I cannot even begin to imagine how many thousands of women over the years were never able to tell anybody the truth because they didn't think anybody would believe them or listen, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and even people in recent, you know, just this past year, just this past year. You know, one of the victims of Ravi Zacharias, she tried to tell people the truth and nobody wanted to listen. Mm. And it wreaked havoc on her life. 
and you know, so many so, after her and so many after her it and so many before her absolutely so many after her so many before her i mean look at rachel den hollander stepping up we're talking 150 plus victims if my numbers are correct from larry nasser you know we have to do better and then we and then when somebody calls somebody out well, you should talk to them privately about that. No, no, you shouldn't. Not if you're gonna, if, if somebody's gonna speak publicly about it and verbally use the pulpit and he's not the only one. We've heard mm -hmm. this kind of junk for years. So if you're gonna use the pulpit and you're gonna put it on the internet, you're gonna get called out. It's just how it should be because too many women that are still in some of these churches think that this is the right way. This is the way that it should be. This is this is what we should be hearing from the pulpit, and it's not, mm -hmm. and it's got to stop. Yep. Wow, that was a long. <sighs> what made me mad this week? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maybe I need to get back to talking about Kirk McCall and how happy he makes me when he asks for prayer requests and when he talks about Micro Joy Monday. Maybe we should have started with the bad news and then the good news. But seriously, that's an important thing, I think, for women to hear. I didn't, we didn't intend to go there this week. No. But they need to hear that it's not your fault. Mm -hmm. You can let go of the shame. Yeah. Mm. It's another part of untwisting the narrative. Yeah. You know, we've tar started talking about that lately, untwisting the narrative and... And this is one of those narratives that needs to be untwisted. This is one of those narratives that needs to have a new narrative spoken. Please. Out. And this is a, this is a cultural thing and it's been going on for thousands of years, honestly. Because Jesus came, when Jesus came to die for our sins, when he came to be born and to grow um, as a young man and be a hundred percent man and a hundred percent God on the earth, he came in and he broke up all kind of narratives that have been spoken about a lot of things, not just women. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, he did speak up against the narrative of women. I, I read a quote this week um, by, I think she's a, I think she's a blogger, but her name is Debbie McDaniel. And she wrote this. She said, Jesus showed great respect and care for women. He broke the barriers of social expectations. He tore down the walls of injustice and prejudice. He came to heal, forgive, and set free. Mm. Isn't that good? That's really good. You should read that again. Okay, so this is by Debbie McDaniel. Jesus showed great respect and care for women. He broke the barriers of social expectations. He tore down the walls of injustice and prejudice. He came to heal, forgive, and set free. Mm. And I love that because in opposition of that, you know, the verse that says, um, and Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy, destroy another uh, version and closer to, um, from my understanding, closer to the original um, that Satan came to steal, kill and annihilate. Mm. And Boy, Jesus came to heal, forgive and set free. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah. So I have one more thing on our happy list. Oh, please make me happy. <laughs> we have a giveaway this week. We have a giveaway. We've started giveaways. It's going to be so fun. Oh, so, I'm excited. I'm excited. This is a bundle of joy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's a, a journal bundle from a friend of mine who has a company called scripture flips mm -hmm. and she makes these small, you could, 
uh, like notebook size, smaller than a notebook. It can go on your keychain, but big so enough. So it's to, like a wallet, like a little wallet, wallet size. size. Yeah. And inside each one is themed and inside there's different verses um, that correlate with the title of the specific scripture flick. So, so tell me, tell me like, what's an example of a theme that's going to have scriptures in it? Yeah. So the one that we get to give away this week is uh, beloved. He calls me beloved. Mm. And inside are just verses of assurance of how loved and how valuable and how beloved you are. They make them with a pin so you can put them on your purse. You can put them on your keychain. You can take them to work and leave it on your desk. And so you can have that reminder always and flip through it and just read and bathe in the truth of who you are and who God calls you. She has several different themes, but the one that we're giving away this week is, is called Beloved. Mm-hmm. So right. what else, what else comes with that scripture flip card, the wallet size scripture flip, and then a journal to go with it that, that is also beloved. And it has some verses throughout the journal. And mm. then for fun, we are also going to throw in a copy of Carrie Schmidt's real Christianity. Oh, that's giveaway. the one that you have talked to me about so much. I have not read it yet. And I'm looking forward to reading it as soon as I get rid of the not rid of, read the stack of four that I already have. Right. That I'm right <laughs> a friend of mine is currently reading it and she keeps posting, um, you know, those Kindle quotes you can share when you're reading on Kindle. She just keeps sharing quotes from it and it makes me want to go read it again. Oh, that's awesome. So I we're know. giving that away this week. Yes. So what does somebody have to do to, to enter? So follow us on social media and I'll give you the different names. Cause we had to get creative because people have taken our handles, the easy handles anyway. Mm. So follow us on social media and then tag us, take a screenshot of yourself listening to the uh, episode this week and, or any episode tag us in it. And then we can see it. If your account is private, we won't be able to see the tag, but you can screenshot that and just send it to us in a message. So okay. you can get it on it too. Okay. Cool. And I'm sure at the end of today's episode, you're going to give those details again, because like, I've already forgotten them. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll put them in the show notes too. I'll link to all of our, our social accounts. Yay. I love giving stuff away. It's going to be so fun. These are, I love these scripture flips so much. And I have an episode actually on my podcast that Mm -hmm. I did with the founder of this company and she goes into her story behind the beloved flip, which is her first flip. So if anybody's interested, you could go listen to the story behind scripture flips too. Awesome. At abundant grace podcast. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. And I have seen the, the pictures of the scripture flips. And so I know some people are probably thinking, you know, oh yeah, we used to do that. You get one of those little silver rings and three by five cards and <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but no, 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 this is so much better and so creative. Plus I love supporting local small businesses and mm-hmm. local small ministry. So I think that's pretty cool. And we will also link it in the show notes, but she has a place where you can go and get a special discount code if you guys want to order them for yourself too. Awesome. Awesome. So you're going to give all that. That's all going to be in the show notes. Yeah. What's, what's the name of her? It's just called scripture flips. Yep. Scriptureflips.com and you can go check it out. Awesome. 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 Well, you know, we were talking, (laughs) we've been talking about a lot of stuff today, but, um, You know, when I read that quote by Debbie McDaniel, that Jesus showed great respect and care for women, um, I found that quote as I was doing some reading and some research about the women surrounding Jesus um, in Mm. his ministry and, and we're in Holy Week, right? So I thought it would be really neat for us to spend a little time talking about 
some of the women that kind of were in that small group of Holy Week and the crucifixion at the cross and then at the tomb. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, And I know there are, are different takes on that. If I can, I guess that's probably a loose term to use it, but I looked at several different things and all of these women are talked about in at least one of the gospels. And the reason I say at least one of the gospels is because um, one of the gospels, I can't even say that word tonight, is because as we know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all um, are writing in their own personality, of course, um, divinely inspired by the breath of God, the words came, but each one of them mentioned things as a witness that, that they noticed. And one of the, one of the things a few years ago, this was brought to my attention. Uh, one of my favorite people to listen to um, is cold case Christianity um, is Jay Warner Wallace. And Jay Warner Wallace came to Christ actually by trying to show that the gospels contradict themselves. And um, he is a former LA detective, a lot of murder cases. He was, you know, he's been on 2020. He's been on, you know, Dateline. He's been on all these things. And he, he, and actually his dad was a detective as well. Um, But he was an atheist and through his trying to I guess, prove that the gospels contradict themselves. He actually ended up coming to Christ. And what he does, he talks about this, that as a cold case detective, when, or, or as a detective, when something would happen, something would take place. One of the first things that he would tell them on the scene as he was coming, separate the witnesses. And he goes on to explain that he would have them separate the witnesses because if you put the witnesses together, they're all going to end up saying the same narrative because they have time to talk to each other. He said, but when you separate them, you get what they saw, what they noticed because each one of us, right, we're going to notice different things. Um, And he said that was what was um, most intriguing to him about the gospels is that each one of them told the story from their, you know, how they, what they saw, mm-hmm. I guess, what they noticed the most. Um, of course, again, I'm going to, I'm going to restate it before somebody misquotes me that we know that all four of the gospel writers were divinely inspired by God to, and God breathed the words and that's what they wrote. But I say that because not every woman that I'm going to mention is mentioned in all four gospels, but it kind of goes back and forth. So the first woman was, her name was Joanna. Um, She was a follower of Christ's ministry. Um, Several scholars have that uh, written that she provided financially for the ministry. Mm, That's really cool. That's cool. And something I did not know. Mm-mm. Now she wasn't the sole provider financially for the ministry. There were many others. A woman named Susanna was also um, a financial provider, but I thought that's super cool. So if you want to look at um, Luke chapter 24 and verse 10, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. And this yes. is when they were returning from the tomb. Right. So she's, she's mentioned there. She's also mentioned in Luke chapter eight, verse three. Um, but Joanna is the wife of, and I'm not sure how to pronounce her husband's name, but it, it looks like it's choose. And again, she was a follower of Christ. She was in the group that, that followed him, that helped with the ministry. I, I'm sure that they helped uh, provide meals and take care of things, but she also helped 
provide financially for the ministry. What does Luke 8, 3 tell us about Joanna? That's where it says that she contributed. Yeah. So I'm going to start in 8, 2. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eight one. Afterward, he was traveling from one town and village to another, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary called Magdalene, seven demons had come out of her, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, Susanna, mm-hmm. and many others who were supporting them from their possessions. That's awesome. Isn't it funny? It's not like what you just said was just hearsay from another historian. That's in the Bible. Right. Like straight out of it. And none of us, how many times have you read your Bible through? Because I've read my Bible through a lot. (laughs) The duty through the checklist, you know, like 10 veggies a day. And I missed that. Totally. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Me too. You were like straight out of the Bible. And I couldn't help but think like straight out of Compton. I'm like straight out of the Bible. (laughs) And then the second woman you've already mentioned, uh, Mary Magdalene from Magdala. She was a Galilean woman. um, And Magdala is on the West bank of the sea of Galilee. Mm -hmm. And, um, and she did have seven demons. Mm-hmm. And you just read about her in Luke 8, 2, and 3, but um, there are actually many, many verses where Mary Magdalene is mentioned. And of course, we can't look them all, I mean, we can't read them all tonight, but um, you could look at Mark 16, 9, Matthew 27, 57, 27, 61, 28, 1. Mark 15, 40 and 47, John chapter 19, verse 25, Mark chapter 16, verse one, John chapter 20, verse one, you know, and then we've already read Luke 24, 10, where she's mentioned as well. Let's look at Mark chapter 15 and let's look at verses 40 and 47. This is talking about Jesus on the cross and Mm. mm, there were also women watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, the younger and of Joseph and Salome. And then Mm. verse 47, this is when Jesus is put in the tomb. Uh, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus were watching where he was laid. Mm. You know what I'm hearing in those verses that they stayed. Mm. They were with Jesus in his ministry. I'm going to go ahead and name the other women and then we can talk a little bit more about that narrative. So Joanna, we've already mentioned Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene. She was a follower of Jesus um, after he healed her from her demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was there at the crucifixion. She was there at the burial. And, and then as we know, <laughs> She had the phenomenal privilege of being the first to see him alive. Mm. I just love the beauty of that. So you've got Joanna, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was the widow of Joseph. Joseph had already passed away at that, at that point. Um, Mary, the mother of, of James and Joseph um, that you you just mentioned, and then Mary, uh, Jesus's aunt. So the reason that we believe that she was Jesus's aunt, she was married to Joseph's brother. Um, and I don't know how to say his name, but I'm going to say Clopas because that's C-L-O-P-A-S. And I'm sure that there's somebody that can correct me on that. And I would be fine with that because I like things to be pronounced correctly. But Um, So basically Jesus's aunt, and then you have Salome or Salome, as some say, she was the mother of James and John. We believe that that James and John there were the sons of Zebedee. So she was married to Zebedee. Um, Again, one of Jesus' female followers in Galilee. Mm -hmm. And we can hear about her in Mark chapter 15, 
verse 40, uh, again, one of the, one of the many passages that talks about all of these women. But the, the thing that I find one of the, to me, one of the most beautiful things is all of these women at some point began to follow Jesus mm. hmm. and, and, and not just, you know, not just in the background. I mean, they were an, they were an integral part of his ministry and several right. scholars even talk about Salome or Salome, you know, as a, as a female disciple. And we know that there were many women. We know that there were his, his closest 12, um, but then there were many women in the group that traveled and followed him in his ministry. You mentioning uh, they started following him at some point, just stuff that we don't, I don't think about. I think slowing down and reading through our Bibles, why, you know, they were healed of sickness and uh, possessed of, with devils. And right. maybe they even came to him for that physical healing and said, wait a second, I'm not just getting freedom from the bondage of whatever was holding me back. There's something about this man that he's not just a healer. Like what, yeah. what made them go, wait a second, I want to stick with this guy. Let's, let's hear some more and then willing to risk their lives for him and really believing. Yeah. And, and when you say risk their lives, um, one of the authors that I read this week that at Jesus crucifixion, when the disciples fled and hid because they were afraid for their lives. Um, one of the authors said, don't mistake the fact that the women um, were any less vulnerable to persecution because they were followers of Christ. Mm. He said that, that um, culturally during that time, the Romans would not have had any issue. And I want to research this more, but he said the Romans wouldn't have had any issue persecuting any of those women or, or crucifying them just wow. because they were female. So mm. I find it interesting and I don't really know, like I want to do more research about this, but they stayed. They, they stayed during the crucifixion, whether they were right beneath the cross or as one of the passages say, you know, from, from a distance, they watched, but they stayed. And then they stayed for the burial. Mm -hmm. And then they came to the tomb. Scripture tells us that Salome and the other women prepared spices. So culturally, they were preparing spices and to bring to the tomb that morning. Mm -hmm. And it's empty because even on the way there they're having discussion about how are we going to move this big old stone because it's just it's just us and then they get there and the stone's already moved I know I'm jumping ahead of the story but we already know what <laughs> Sunday's going to look like right but I find it extremely interesting that in all of the in all of the gospels it talks about these beautiful women that were followers of Jesus. And they were also, they also contributed to his ministry. Mm. You know, they contributed yeah. to his ministry um, by their service. They contributed to his ministry financially with their, with their possessions. Um, you know, you even think about Mary of Bethany um, there is still a little bit, you know, different scholars talk about the different Mary or Mary, maybe it was Martha and Mary, Mary, the sister that, um, but most, a lot of people think it was Mary Magdalene that broke the, the alabaster box and 
washed his feet with their hair and and the disciples got upset and said, you know, hey, that could have been sold and given to the poor. And Jesus said, you know, but she chose. She chose the best thing. Um, and I'm like, OK, so where did she get this alabaster box with expensive mm. perfume in it? You know, mm -hmm. so there was sacrificial giving from these women. And I just I just think it's just the beauty of, of what Jesus came to do. All of the women that are there, it's interesting. To, it's inspiring to me, the faith that they had to follow Jesus the way that they did to support Jesus the way that they did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, going back, back just a minute, you know, we know how the story ends. Like you said, they didn't. Mm. And I last year I was introduced to a way of celebrating Easter to where from Friday and Saturday, and I think somebody depends on how you want to celebrate it. But for a few days leading up to Easter, you don't open the curtains in your house mm. just to remember kind of like a Lent season Sure. Where you're remembering how dark that time was and that yeah. the disciples of Jesus, the men and the women right. were in hiding and scared because their friend and their leader and right. the one that they believed in was dead. Yeah. Yeah. That was the end of their hope. Right. Right. And, and I think it's, it was probably... I don't know, probably 15, 16 years ago um, that I attended a Monday Thursday service mm. and then a, you know, and then a, and then a Friday service. And we don't like to sit in those spaces. You know, we don't like to sit in those spaces of, of grief but I think it's important for us to sit in those spaces of grief and realize what the disciples were going through. But for you and me, of course, being women, I focus on, like you said, what, what these women were going through. And some of these women were in this group because they had experienced life changing healing from mm -hmm. Christ. And they had been made to feel one of the authors that I read this week actually used a terminology that we used in a, a few episodes ago when women are feeling less than mm. she actually used that in quotes you know that culturally women were made to feel less than and Jesus came to break that you know I mean think about it um why would Jesus go out of his way to go and sit at the well for the Samaritan woman. Mm -hmm. He's, he's breaking those prejudices. He's breaking those um, stereotypes and, and bringing back honor for women, the women he cared for, but we don't like to sit in that grief. You know, we like to just let's, let's get to Sunday. Let's get to Sunday. Let's get to that. You know, but all of these women, not only we're following Jesus, like right at the end of Jesus ministry is when, and I just learned this recently, chronologically is when he, when he brought salvation to Zacchaeus's house, you know, like the culmination of like even Zacchaeus, who was very much hated. And, you know, he was the chief of tax collector so really everybody hated him mm -hmm. and he was still seeking Jesus and Jesus brought salvation to his house that was right before he was entering into Jerusalem for Holy Week what is mm -hmm. we now know is Holy Week sure and then um we have yesterday what we call Palm Sunday and people are shouting Hosanna. 
saying, save now. Hosanna means save now. And you and I were just talking about this earlier. They thought he was coming to overthrow the Roman government. Like we finally have our king. He's here. But right. he didn't come in on a war horse. Because <laughs> they were looking for that physical deliverance. Mm. And Aren't we? Aren't we? Yes. Yes. Man, don't we? Ugh. A friend of mine brought up in a video he did this week that Jesus shortly after that, he looked out over Jerusalem and you remember he weeps over them. Mm -hmm. I, how I would have gathered you like a hen gathers her chicks. Mm. He wanted so much more for them. He wanted true abiding peace for them. And he wanted to give them peace from their sins and victory through the cross and through other means that they could not, that was so much bigger than a physical deliverance from Rome that was so much harder to grasp. Yeah. Yeah. But it made and, Jesus weep over it. Right. And I think that, you know, here we are thousands of years later and I think a lot of times we're still looking for that physical deliverance mm -hmm. and that's why I'm just going to throw this in there. That's why sometimes we attach ourselves to entities, whether it's politics or whatever, to be that salvation, that physical deliverance mm. of salvation. And we're missing that. It's all about Jesus. Mm. That's he, good. Has a, he has a much bigger plan. Mm -hmm. He has a much bigger plan for us. He had a much bigger plan then. He didn't come like they expected him to come. Um, our pastor this past week talked about, you know, that most of the time kings culturally would come in when they were going to conquer an area on a war horse. And a war horse was even taller than just mm -hmm. a quote unquote regular size horse. Now, my brother, Scott, my oldest brother, Scott, He's a cowboy, has been on his all, all his life. He has a, a ranch, um, a small ranch in Georgia and planted a church there for cowboy life. And, and he is always talking about the horses. He knows so much about horses. He's like, you know, this horse is 15 hands. This horse is, you know, <laughs> 16 hands. Well, the war horses were even taller than that. And in the, the hands is, is how you measure a horse. But Jesus didn't come in on a war horse. He didn't even come in on a regular horse and he didn't come in on a donkey. He came in on the colt of a donkey, you know, like the lowest. It makes me think of uh, another book that's on my list to read Dane Ortland's gentle and lowly. Mm. He came in on the lowest animal. And here we have palm branches being waved and, I think I would like to think that if I were, had been there, that I would have made the connection of him coming in on a lonely colt, that I would have remembered Isaiah's words or mm -hmm. Zachariah's words. I can't remember which one it was at this point that talks about Jesus riding in on a colt. I would like to think that I would go, oh, he's coming for a different reason. But I probably would have been in that crowd like, oh, yeah, he's coming. He's going to take out the Roman government. We go be free. You know, I, I probably <laughs> would have been one of those. Right. I think this week is just a blessing to me and making us remember what Jesus has done for us. Yeah. All that he gave up, the suffering that he endured, the prestige that he gave up. He even gave up his connection to the father mm -hmm. for us. Yeah. You see him just weeping and asking God not to forsake him. And right. on the cross, he says, why have you forsaken me? Right. And that is the treasure that we've been given in the resurrection. Yes, we will have new life and we get right now. We're still waiting for the redemption of our body. And we are still waiting to see Jesus face to face. But right now, we have been given that gift of the relationship with our father. Absolutely. And that is incredible. 
Yeah, I hear people, well, I just can't wait for Jesus to come back. And and sure, I can't wait for Jesus to come back as well. But he also left us with, I came to give you life and to give it abundantly. Like we are, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. <laughs> I don't want to be that person that walks up to, to um, David and walks up to Moses <laughs> you know, in heaven. And they're like, what was it like to have the Holy Spirit inside you and me go, you know, I never thought about that. No, I want to be living life Mm. to the full because I'm listening to the Holy Spirit because I'm walking in that because Jesus gave his life for us to have salvation and live life to the full Mm -hmm. abundant life here. That's such a good wraparound to the beginning where that first quote, Mm -hmm. just remembering that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us because of what Jesus has done and how he values us. And I'm just going to mention again, he, he valued women in a way that had not taken place for, for thousands of years. And he came and he broke that narrative. Um, that narrative that unfortunately um, we still don't have a full grasp on. Um, But Joanna, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, Mary, Jesus's aunt and Salome, the mother of James and John, these female followers of Christ, they were called They were called to ministry with Jesus, either through healing or giving birth to him or being the aunt. They were called to ministry with Jesus and they were in community. How do we know that? They were in community because they go to the tomb together to prepare the spices, to prepare his body. They find out that he has risen together. They had the courage to stick around. They were not hiding somewhere um and it all comes back to jesus they were all there because of this man who had changed their lives forever whether it was through (laughs) birthing the son of god raising him walking with him in ministry staying and watching his death on the cross Mm. and then there when his life is resurrected i mean you talk about a holy week you talk about traumatic events with the extreme of emotions yeah no kidding i mean seriously like you want to talk ptsd go through all of that in one week (laughs) you know uh, seriously but it all comes back to jesus and i know that this is this isn't new information, but I do think it is absolutely beautiful that the women who were in ministry and following Jesus had the privilege of being the first to know that he had risen as he said he would, that Mary Magdalene, this woman who had seven demons, in her that most people would have brushed aside, Jesus healed her and she's the first to actually physically see him Mm -hmm. and then says, go tell the disciples. That's just beautiful. It, It, again, it is flipping upside down a narrative and, and I'm not trying to make it about all the women, because it's all about Jesus, because none of them would be who they were without him. Mm -hmm. You know? Right. And I think it's just fun to focus in on the women because we haven't been told their story much. And when you hear the word disciple, what comes to mind? 12 guys. Right. And they're the apostles. Yes. But there were women following them. Yeah. There were many disciples, many, many disciples. Right. right, right. Yep. Female and male. Yeah. Right. 
and I just, uh, you know, I just look at these, the, these women and um, as they went back to the disciples and to say, mm -hmm. he's alive. He, he's alive. Like what? He's alive. And then a couple of the guys take off and, and, and are running, you know, and I can't remember right now. I know one of them outran the other one. I've heard that. So. Peter outran John. Yes. And then John, Which but he let awesome. John go in first. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Mm -hmm. But, but where did they hear the news from these beautiful women who had given sacrificially of their possessions to support Jesus ministry, who walked with him, who had been healed by him. Um, <laughs> and then Jesus appears to his disciples. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. Mm. but they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit he said why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts see my hands and my feet that it is I myself touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have and when he had said this he showed them his hands and his feet Mm -hmm. it's all about jesus amen everything everything none of these people took praise for themselves none of these people you didn't hear this competition well i was walking with jesus <laughs> you know, i you know i mean the disciples do have a little bit of argument about who's gonna sit near him and he lovingly puts them in their place but like you said women were obviously valuable because Jesus disrupted those narratives of the culture mm -hmm. of the day mm -hmm. and then you are beloved of God mm -hmm. and I'm just going to mention our giveaway again for yeah. that journal and that scripture flip and a copy mm -hmm. of Carrie Schmidt's Real Christianity uh, take a screenshot of yourself listening to the RFWP and then tag us so that we can see that you're listening and so we can enter you into the drawing and then we'll announce that. Yeah, follow us. Give us a follow. Yeah, give us a follow and then tag us. So you can find us on Facebook, RFWP, Seeking Truth, Finding God's Heart, Twitter, RFWP podcast, and Instagram, RFWP.sisterseeker. And that'll all be in the show notes. And you can check out scripture flips for yourself. There's a link there. So you can check out the website. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? A couple of weeks ago, we did a, we did an episode on the hope of Hagar. Mm -hmm. And isn't it beautiful that Hagar as a woman was the first to give God a name, the God who sees Elroy, and then this beautiful group of women who were Jesus' relatives and or followers were the first to see that mm. resurrection life had happened, and Mary Magdalene was the first to to get to visually see him. Mm -hmm. I just, I just love that. And I'm so thankful. Um, I'm, and I will tell you this, I'm so thankful for the men in our lives and the men that um, some of the men that I've been under their preaching and their teaching and, and that, that understand who Jesus is. Uh, who he was, who he, who he came to be, and who he is, and I'm I'm super thankful for that. And it's just a I, my heart's desire would be for all of us as females to be women who are called and have the courage to follow him 
and are in community with others, um, not in competition. <laughs> and then also to, to be, you know, for there to be men that have the humility and the servant spirit of Christ as they proclaim him and treat everyone as the true Imago Dei created in the image of God that they, that they are. Because that's all of those things. That's what Jesus came for. Thanks for that. It's good to think about, good to ponder, good to sit it in. It is. It is. Until next week. Thanks for being here, friend. Yeah. And be a sister seeker. As always, you can reach out to Lois and myself at hello at sisterseeker.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean the world to us if you would consider supporting the RFWP on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash sister seeker. And we have a few different tier options for supporting the show. Another way that you can support the show is by leaving us a review. This helps us get this message and 